Do you uh, see who they got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw who they got. That's, um, yeah, it was uh, Martin. That's what I call him. Uh, you I know call Martin? Him. Have you met? Are you a friend of Martin? I call him Steve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sneaky Steve. Yep. Mischievous Sneaky. Martin. Yeah. So, uh, me and Jensen were talking. We're a bit worried. Yeah, 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 yeah. What of, uh, how, how do you know? How do you know, Steve? Uh, let's just, you know that crate of Romulan ale that I've got? Which, by the way, I don't tell data about. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, um, well, that didn't that didn't materialise out of nowhere, did it? Um, no. Uh, I mean, admittedly, I probably... I was drunk at the time, and I should have gotten more for it. But I did tell him exactly. The thing is, I told him where all the ships are, but they move around. So I, I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah. Exactly. I, I just... All I did was tell him about a planet that's already gone to the bog. Yeah. So... What's he going? What's he going to uh, find? One skeleton. I've got an idea. Okay. Right. How are you at forging letters? Right. Probably not that great in Romulan. I definitely can. Jensen make it look like suicide. That's the important question. I think we already know the answer. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 57. Uh, these are the continued voyages of um, Eddie Edwards and Mark O'Neill. Sorry. Oh, fuck, I fucked it up. That should be Mark Bench. Uh, it doesn't Sorry. matter. It's, uh, yeah. it's, um, it's <laughs> Who cares? Okay. Yeah, life is me. We're all on fire. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're watching Star Trek. Anyway, how you been, Mark? <laughs> Good. Something's been on my mind a lot this week. And it's the droids from Star Wars. Yeah, okay. You got me. What's the what's the <laughs> what's the deal with the droids, right? I mean because I've, I've been watching I've I've gotten quite into the Clone Wars right. animated, the CGI animated show, and it's really, really good. Um it actually retroactively makes the prequels better to have to have what have have you have you have you seen it? It couldn't make them worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't. I haven't seen the uh, the Clone Wars. I, I'm. I've been told it's good, but I'm. I'm. I'm in a point in my life where I'm just enjoying not giving a fuck about Star Wars for like a little while. I'm probably going to watch Andor at some point, which is a real shame because genuinely one of the best Star Wars things of all time aired the other day, which is an episode of The Mandalorian that was barely about The Mandalorian. It was fantastic. Jaw-dropping television. At some point, probably, I will get back into Star Wars and put myself back on the wheel so Disney can punish me. But, yeah. Anyway, The Clone Wars. Droids. So, look. I'll preface this by saying I understand that it's a made-up story for a children's television show. 
but uh-huh. that that's just to get that out of the way for anyone thinking that for anyone thinking that I understand that right I get that <laughs> I've I've internalized that I however have a filter that means I can turn that off <laughs> to to think about things to prevent boredom right so the droids what's going on there because but so in 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 the Star Wars prequels if if you've never seen them the the baddies the separatists they use battle droids which are literally robots that fight now I don't really understand what the fuck is going on with the droids in Star Wars. I have always been of the the opinion that the droids are actually conscious, right? That the droids have sentience. But uh-huh. they're still computers, right? Yeah. So why do they all have shite aim? <laughs> right. I'm going to say this is a calibration issue. Because if we've learned anything, it's that... Because, okay, right. Star Wars happens in a galaxy far, far away. So those aren't humans. They look human, but they're not humans. Yeah. So maybe uh, that's the best possible aim that anyone's got, which is why the stormtroopers can't fucking hit anything either. <laughs> or maybe the force throws them off. I don't know. I, I thought you were going to raise the question of if droids are sentient, how comes they're raising their minds is okay? No, look, the, this idea has been talked to death, right? The, the, the droids and... The droids in Star Wars have sentence, right? Fucking very good. What I want to talk about is, <laughs> yeah, but they're still robots, right? Like, they're still... I know it sounds uncompassionate to... Because the thing that the Clone Wars does, that I, the Clone Wars does a lot of things, right? I didn't get into it for a long time because the first season just looks like a PS2 cutscene, right? But it, the quality actually gets a lot better from then on and it, it touches really nuanced subjects that I've always, that I've always wondered about. But the droids, they, they make all the droids really, really funny. Like, the, the battle droids are hilarious. Like it's, it's the best thing about the show is just listening to their shite patter, right? At one point, Saw Gerrera throws, like, a pile of, a, 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 like, a, a, something called a disruptor. And these two battle droids just look down at it and go, I think it's an explosive. And then the other one says, how can you tell? And the other one goes, well, it kind of looks like, and then bang, right? It's, it's really good comic timing. <laughs> There's a, there's an amazing bit that I was watching where they were the droids were flying they, they were flying a ship and they just left a planet and I think Anakin with like a if I get this wrong who cares but I think he had like a spacesuit on and he'd like grapple hooked on to the end the back of the spaceship so they're flying through and one of the droids turns to the other and says we're experiencing some kind of drag and then the first droid turns around and says you're experiencing drag in space. <laughs> and then just silence <laughs> and then the first one kind of leaks about and goes oh I guess you're right because <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't. Um, so they, only, they have to program that in, which again fine but do, does, the, does the personality does like the bits supersede their ability to aim like a computer would my my bigger question is that the, the, the battle bots are designed for combat. So that means at some point they were like there was like a fucking like report back to a head of that project where somebody was going, So we've nearly finished the droids. Um obviously we've loaded up with the guns, uh, got the tactical sensors, logged in sense of humour, um legs and then somebody <laughs> was like what was that last one? Not that last one. What legs? No, 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 the one before that. Sense sense of humour. How long did we spend on sense of humour? Um, six months. And, and how much did that cost us 
in terms of galactic credits. <laughs> right? How did how did nobody in this sense of humor division get fucking fired? Was that some of these like that's some like Sith Lord's fucking nephew? Where it was like, oh, we've no, that's Barry. He's we've got to keep him employed. It keeps yeah, it keeps Palpatine happy. <laughs> so Barry was brought on uh, to develop just to, just to develop like the like the voices, right? Uh, that was that was his job to make the voice synthesizer, right? But that's not particularly hard. So he knocked that out in like two or three weeks. <laughs> but then he remembered that he had a six month contract, and <laughs> if, if he bowed out less than a month in. He wasn't getting paid for his call out. Right. So he had to spend a week just sitting there thinking, oh man, this is awful. What do I do? And Barry's quite a funny guy. So he was like, wouldn't it be funny if these droids were really sarcastic? <laughs> for no reason. And then, some, and, then, and, then someone, and then someone walks by behind him and can hear his inner thoughts. They're a Jedi, right? A bad Jedi. And they're like, what, what Barry? Do you mean like every droid in this universe? <laughs> Well, honestly, like people give it like, oh, it's horrible the way that people treat all the droids in Star Wars. Maybe if the droids weren't such sarcastic dicks all the time, people would. <laughs> like, have you ever heard the theory that Star Wars in its entirety is a story being told by R two D two, and that's why he constantly makes C three PO look like a dick? <laughs> I am fully sold on it. Have you um, are you familiar with um, Jeep theory? Uh, the Jeep theory of Star Wars, which is it, it comes from a fucking um, fan theory that was posted for some reason of of all things on the fucking Jeep forum, <laughs> like for Jeep users, and it's the theory that everything in Star Wars makes much more sense if when you consider right at the end of um, uh, the third. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, I think it is. At the end of it, they're, they're going to wipe the memories of 3PO and R2-D2. And R2-D2 beeps something that we can't understand. And then they change their mind and they only wipe 3PO's memory. And Sorry, there's a, a... Yeah, there's a there's a theory that what R2 says in that moment is, you need me for the rebellion. Because not only do I have all this information that is incredibly useful... I'm incredibly unassuming and I can go anywhere without really being noticed. And I can lie with a completely straight face. <laughs> and from then on, R2-D2's um, basically secretly part of the rebellion. So like he's hanging around as basically protection for Leia. And he keeps liaising with Chewbacca, who is also part of the Rebellion. Because he's the one who gets all the jobs for the Millennium Falcon. So he's actually like engineering Han to go where he needs him to go so he can relay messages around. All the while, these are also, there's, <laughs> there's also messages being relayed around the Jedis, between the Jedis by Qui-Gon's Force Ghost. So... When R2-D2 shows up and Obi-Wan's like, oh, I don't recall owning a droid, that's basically Obi-Wan Kenobi saying to R2-D2, shut the fuck up, R2. You're not going to ruin this for everyone. And yeah, it basically, it it meshes everything together a lot better and it makes a lot more sense. But basically, yeah, R2-D2 is the real hero of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, that's why he's telling the story, making C-3PO yeah. look like a cunt. <laughs> It does occur to me that, like, if I was building a droid specifically, ah, oh, this is to, like, help communication, and, like, I'm going to send it out as, like, an ambassador, and it can talk to all these other races, I would make that droid less annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it feels yeah. like that's a design flaw. Yeah, I agree. I, 
I, I, I would subscribe to that theory, but uh, I don't think it's true. Mainly because <laughs> you know that bit in our Alan Partridge. Yeah. When they're, when they're talking about the spy who loved me, and then Alan gets up and screams, "No, no, stop getting James Bond wrong." Yeah, I I had to hold myself back quite a bit when you were doing that whole explaining <laughs> thing when you were fundamentally misunderstanding quite a lot of the plot points in uh, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> right. Well, R2D2 doesn't get any fucking jobs for the Millennium Falcon. Obi-Wan Kenobi goes and finds Chewbacca. No, no, no. Chewbacca, Chewbacca is the one who finds the jobs. Because when um, Obi Wan, when Han is meeting Obi Wan, yeah. he's like, it's Chewbacca who's set the meeting up. And so, therefore, we can assume it's Chewbacca's job to go around and set up all the meetings, which means he's the one who's actually choosing their jobs. And it, like, he's it, Han's got the illusion of choice. He's like, "Oh, I've been Chewie's only found us three jobs, and two of them involve certain death, and one of them involves going to this weird backwards planet that I don't want to be on." But weirdly, it does line up with Chewie's fucking uh, rebellion plans. That's that's what's going on there. I think you're giving Chewie a lot of credit. I am. No, do you know what? Chewbacca's alright. He was like 300 years old. Like, Han is yeah. essentially his pet dog. He's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. he is... <laughs> what if... You know the way that, that, that no one really understands Wookiees apart from other Wookiees and Chewbacca? Yeah. Do you, what if all the animals in the world all understand each other and just and just not us and we don't and they see us as the Wookiees? Because you're, you're quite hairy. I'd be I'd be okay with that because it means that my cat could tell my dog to stop being such a dickhead. But unfortunately, why doesn't it? Because it, it just wants to watch the world. Uh, Mark. Cats are the best. <laughs> so the more the dog misbehaves, the more the cat becomes the favourite pet. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a Machiavellian scheme that the cat's got. Oh, sorry, I've just remembered what this episode of Star Trek was about. I was going to say, speaking of Machiavellian yeah. schemes. <laughs> Star Trek. We we I watched this over a week ago. Okay. And I couldn't remember, and I I didn't put a title on the notes for the name of the episode. <laughs> right. The, the the notes I have are insane. Just Errol Gray, um, exclamation mark. <laughs> right. Uh, it's called the Defector. Yes. Uh, which it might have given you a clue. Um, and to 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 broad strokes, there's the Robulan defects. That's. That's the plot. That's it. Yeah, I remember it. I remember it well. Right. Okay. I want to bring something up straight away. We have regularly referred to people as being like that bloke actors, right? This guy who plays the Romulan is an actor called James Sloan. He might be the that blokeiest bloke of that bloke actors of all time, right? I looked up his um his IMDb page, right? He's he's in Deep Space Nine oh. as another character. Right. Uh, he plays Dr. Mora, who is the uh, scientist who discovered Odo. Right. He is in Voyager. So I didn't bother checking that because I don't care. Um, but also, he is so that blokey. He is in seven episodes of Murder, She Wrote as different characters. <laughs> <laughs> How many separate characters did he play on Supernatural? Uh, he died in 2000. So none. Uh, so right. none, okay. um, Oh, man. Good, good, good for him. Yeah, I was going to say because if you're listening to this, got out before nine eleven. That's a dream. If you're a, I was going to say, if you're a younger person, you aren't going to be aware of this, but you used to be able to play multiple characters in the same show because nobody would fucking remember that you were in an episode of Murder She Wrote from three years ago 
they didn't have DVDs. Uh, streaming wasn't a thing. People didn't just catalogue all these things in their head. So, yeah, you just get away with that shit. You also used to be able to keep your shoes on all the way through an airport. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't think there's any correlation, but I, I do think it is suspicious that these two things occurred around the same time. I, I, I'm going to say, as somebody who's recently travelled internationally, um, I don't mind taking my shoes off at the airport. What I don't mind is it seems to be inconsistently enforced. Yeah. Uh, I had to take my shoes off on the way out, but not on the way back. What? Why, why is that? Just tell me, because if I knew, I'd take them off at the beginning of the queue, right? If I knew for certain. But if you're not going to tell me until I get to the scanner, then I've got to take my shoes off. Yeah, I don't really understand the airport security, because... He, Look, if I was in charge, and one day, God willing, I will be, <laughs> I I would have security. Like, I, I don't I don't really understand why are they so determined to catch you before you get on the plane? Because surely the last place you want a terrorist is in your own country. <laughs> surely you detect it and then let them go. I think I think I think the last place you want the terrorist is is on a plane, Mark. That was that was if we learned anything from nine eleven, uh, it was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, yeah, no, no, fair enough. I, it, I mean, if you're gonna if you're if you're planning a ground based terrorist attack wherever you get wherever you're going, then fucking have at it, go go free. Yeah. But you're probably gonna pick up all your supplies when you get there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre that like surely now that we're out of the EU. You know, I mean, we could we could start just asking people like, "What are you going to do in France?" Oh, I'm going to attempt to destroy the Eiffel Tower. Oh, are you going to do anything on the plane over British airspace? No, I don't think so. I'll have at it. We can't just take our problems, Mark, and ship them off to other countries. Who are you, Suella Braverman? <laughs> yep, fair enough. <laughs> do you think a nine eleven against the Eiffel Tower would be more or less spectacular than the one against the Twin Towers? Less fatalities. Obviously, you're mess- you're losing you're losing out yeah. on numbers. But mm, I gotta say, because like, right, if whenever I'm watching a disaster movie, right, the the level of a like, if you're watching a proper good disaster movie, these are the places you will see get destroyed: Washington, New York, London, and Paris. Right, so we know that the Eiffel Tower getting destroyed does look good. If you can make it fall, as well as the thing is, it wouldn't collapse down on itself like that. So it would, it no. would topple over. So I think it might look better on that front. I think because because the, the the Eiffel Tower, as far as I'm aware, is it made of steel? Uh, yes. Seems like it should be. So if a plane hit it, it wouldn't melt, and then it didn't collapse. <laughs> yeah, and I. I don't want anything to happen that could prove conspiracy theorists, right? Right, okay. Now, I will point out that this is going to be the second episode where you have, have made it clear that you w- want to visit horrible tragedy on the people of Paris. In a row. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I like Parisians. I, I, I like anyone who's just happy to just be rude. I've noticed that the French like reputation for rudeness is the same as the New York reputation for rudeness, which is just as somebody who's yes. lived in a big city is just like, it's not rude. You're from the fucking countryside. Move faster. Yeah. We in people who live in large cities believe that it's rude to waste somebody's time by slowing them down and stopping them getting where they want to go. And that's why you think other people are rude, because you're stopped at the top of a fucking escalator. Right? 
I, I, yes, I agree with that, and I'm on the level with that. I, however, would also like to go one step further. I, 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 I like telling people exactly what I think about them, <laughs> but I feel like the small amount of social awareness that I do have on like an automatic basis stops me from being able to do that most of the time. Quite often, I'll, I'll, I'll call a cunt a cunt. Like I'll 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 shout at an anti-vax protest. Why why even bother writing a sign if you're going to put too much information on it for us to read as you walk by? Which yes, I understand is too long a thing to shout at someone <laughs> for having too much information. But in many ways, that was the joke. But I feel like the French and the Italians just are more happy to do that. Yeah. And the only reason I wouldn't move there, one, I don't speak the language, and two, I myself, I'm so I'm so fragile. That I don't want other people telling me what they really think about me, <laughs> especially not in France. Like that's because, like, just being no. like you, you're actually you're you're fine. You're Scottish. I'd I'd I'd, I'd yeah. hate it. <laughs> Basically, if there was a way for me to absolutely just tell everyone what I think about them and for them to have no replies whatsoever, that's that's my ideal. That's my that's my heaven. That's my, my 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 heaven is I die, I wake up. Laura's Laura's not dead yet, right? So that so we can skip over whether she's going to be there, right? So I I die first as a tradition, and I get there, and all all there is is just a desk, uh, and a yeah. door, right? And then and then I sit down at the desk, and the desk, like, uh, like was it Che Guevara? No, was it Fidel Castro that has a desk that is slightly longer than an outstretched arm holding a machete? <laughs> I would have that. And then just a button that's just next person please, and then they come in, they sit down, and I'm like, right, here's all my grievances. <laughs> here's what I think about you. Here's what I think about your outlook on the world. Here's everything you need to change. And then I reduce them to tears, and then I make them leave, and then the next person comes in. <laughs> see, see now, Mark, I'm going to offer you an imperfect solution, but does meet a lot of your criteria there, and that is. Is it called having an anonymous account on Twitter? Two simple words, and those words are video will. Yes, <laughs> 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 best that all. It's every. It's got every. You get to tell people what you think. They can't say anything back, and you're dead. That's all three of your criteria. Because <laughs> look, I am a nice guy, right? I don't want you to think that I'm not a nice person. I am very much a nice person, and it's not forced nice. Like, I am just generally quite nice, and I imagine quite pleasant to be around, unless it's someone that I'm comfortable enough with to just let the mask constantly... Not the mask, no, but, but like, so, so, someone who's comfortable enough around me that I... I can. I don't want to say let them know what I really think. You know how it goes, right? There's there's some people that just get they just get more mark than everyone else. But I I do do I don't get me wrong. I've got some grievances about not most people. There's a, I quite I quite like you, Eddie. There's very very little negative I would have to say about you. If you had, if you were dead and I buzzed you out of the office, I'd just give you a big hug. I'd say here's a free machete. <laughs> Uh, the, I'd have to lean the, over the, the table to get left, it. That he didn't realise the desk was too long. Uh, here you are. Uh. By far, far away, Mark, my, 
please enjoy your time in hell for all the myriad of sins that you've committed. <laughs> my, my, by far and away, my favourite regular segment of this podcast is listening to you dig yourself into a hole and then frantically try and dig yourself out of it, despite the fact that nobody's put you in it but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I put on Facebook today, uh, I, I, uh, I've I been trying to stay off Reddit uh, for v- various reasons, but uh, so I've been using the Google News app, and I guess Google News gives you news based on your Google searches right. and what it thinks of you as a person, and Google News is just insisting on giving me years old articles about Michael Carroll, the lotto lout. Uh, who you may remember as the lotto lout, <laughs> I do. Uh, who was a who was a, a just a just a fucking Ned uh, that won just a bit of, just a chav, bit of a chav yeah. guy, which is uh, sorry is is language I've been trying to use less because as someone pointed out to me, even even though chav is a descriptor, it's never ever used as a descriptor for anything other than negative, which is fair enough. So so just some just some dickhead <laughs> right that won ten million yeah. pounds and then bought a big house and just raced minis around it, crashed the mini destruction derby, made his rich neighbours furious, which I'm here for, right? What a laugh that sounds. But I don't know why Google is like telling my algorithm that what I really need to see is stories about a man who's self-destructing from the inside, outside in. It's, 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 it's worrying that that's what the algorithm thinks you need. But, but on the plus side, Mark, at least Google's predicting a lottery win for you. So, uh, so that's got to be... <laughs> I'd be out of that. See, as soon as I win the lottery, man, the mask is going to stop completely. <laughs> You're going to get to see what real Mark is like. Once I, once I have enough money to be like, oh, no man is an island, is he? Here's, uh, he, here's fucking, yes, I am. And I'll go and live on a literal <laughs> island. Right. <laughs> we should, we should. And I'll do this podcast once a week. <laughs> and that'll be it. And, it, and, it, and, we, and we changed it. It won't be called Captain Slog anymore. It'll be called Mark's Manifesto. <laughs> and if you if you don't like it, I'll just throw money at you until you fucking do it. Yeah, fine. I'm, I'm fine with being that. I'll be the uh, I'll be the the other less successful one who sits next to Adam Rowe on other word. Right. <laughs> right. So this episode is Star Trek. Right. Star Trek. Okay. It starts with. Two Patrick Stewarts, because <laughs> because <Yeah, that's right. laughs> there's so Data is in the holodeck doing Henry V, and um, yep. Patrick, Patrick Stewarts there in like makeup and stuff doing the dialogue from Henry V, and it cuts to another shot, and Patrick Stewart is there as John Luke Picard directing it. So obviously, what John Luke John Luke Picard has gone and gone to the holodeck. Oh, and he's a Shakespearean actor who's definitely quality. <laughs> and the and the holodeck's gone. Oh, you want you want Patrick Stewart? He's <laughs> real good. I have a slightly, I have a slightly different theory. I think the showrunners were planning to do a Shakespeare section with Sir Patrick Stewart, and when they told them, oh, you're going to be in the you're going to be in the holodeck. You're going to be basically watching Data perform Henry V. And, and Sir Patrick's like, great. Who do I play? Well, you're playing John Luke Picard. No, dear boy. Who do I play in the play? 
for the play of the <laughs> thing. Because I imagine a lot of Shakespeare people talk in Shakespearean, right? Yeah. And then they're like, no, but but it will confuse people. No, no, no. I'll, I shall wear a fake nose and have a wig. And I, 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 I wonder if... Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I could get Ian McKellen in. No, Patrick, for it's 1991 and no one knows who that is. I, I just, I wonder if... He was just. I wonder if, in standard definition, people didn't know. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's 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 one. I was like, I had to pause it and be like, "Oh, it's Patrick Stewart." And then Patrick Stewart turns up again. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Because the other right Shakespeare. I like that you went, "Oh, Patrick Stewart," and then you remembered you were watching Next Generation that the year shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, it, it was shocking that I had to do that. Bear in mind, he was dressed as John Luke Picard. <laughs> I I I like the idea that data is trying to like understand the human condition and then uh Jean-Luc Picard who's French has gone well the greatest greatest writer of of all time is not a Frenchman which is not something any Frenchman would ever say not Alexander Dumas <laughs> yeah oh man if we come if we, oh man if David Bidou lay miss and then, he, and then he described Alexander Dumas with a racial slur <laughs> And then Data done that thing with the REM sleep where he's looking back and forth and then he realises what that <laughs> means. But I like the idea of it, but... Then he starts no- he starts knocking about Colin Worf that word. I'm going to I'm gonna say something. <laughs> I'm going to say something that might not be... I'm going to disagree with... I'm going to disagree with Patrick, Patrick Stewart's interpretation of a Shakespeare play because he's talking the Data about how... Henry V, in Henry V, Henry V dresses up in disguise to go out among his troops and hear what they're talking about. And he's like, oh, he did that to experience the camaraderie of um, what it felt like the eve of battle with his men because he doesn't get to feel that as king. Whereas I've always read that scene that a fucking rich person went fucking undercover boss to find out what his fucking troops were saying behind his fucking back. But... And then again, Patrick Stewart's yeah. posh, so maybe he'd never clock that. Yeah. <laughs> Is he, though? I think Patrick Stewart's pretty working class. I think he was, and then he became a Shakespearean actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not having that, man. But Patrick Stewart is for the cause. He doesn't even like being called sir. No, but he still knelt in front of the Queen Apparently. and got knighted. <laughs> No, you're right. He's un- I mean, it's it's more likely that McKellen will be in the raft. But <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying we. I'm not saying come the revolution, we behead Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. No, no, no we'll never. let them. We'll let them no, cross the never. cross the cross the lines. That's fine. But we've got, <laughs> got to be. Yeah. But we've got to be aware. There's a line they've got to cross. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and freaks, freaks can come. And we look the entire all the everyone who's ever been in a Star a Star Trek can can come and hang out. Especially Jason Isaacs, who I really genuinely want to hang out with, because I bet he's super nice. And and also one hundred it's obviously Cole Meany. <laughs> Cole Meany will be leading the charge. Laura um Laura is Laura's mum. I'm not gonna dox her, so someone's <laughs> mum works for a hotel in Ireland uh, and Colin Meany is a regular oh. guest there and apparently they've they've had quite a quite a few big old chats they? I, I, I thought so you were going to say fights there, there, is a, there is a chance there is a chance we could get Colin Meany on this podcast uh, 
so long as we de- we tell them don't listen to anything before the one that you're on. We don't we don't we don't badmouth you. We think you're great. We think O'Brien's great as well. But there's but I don't know if you love our interpretation for why we think he's great. I I think why do you think he's great, lads? Well, we we consider him basically the Jerry Anderson <laughs> stuff. Yeah, we we believe that O'Brien's ancestors were definitely in the IRA, um, and O'Brien would be as well. And we view that very much as a positive. <laughs> Might be a hard sell. Come, mean he didn't lose anybody in the troubles, right? That's an important question to ask at the <laughs> right. So there's a there's a Romulan defector, <laughs> and he's right. got. But yeah, yeah, and the question is, is is he a real defector or is he a sneaky Romulan bastard feeding them false information? Uh, and 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 as it turns out, yes to both. He's a legitimate defector, but he's actually been given a bunch of fake information to do it. And I quite like this yeah. episode because everything he does makes sense for him to do either way. Yeah. Like, because he blows up his scout. Oh no, I'm 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 a huge fan of this episode. Yeah. I I it's it's all slowly coming back to me. This is one of the reasons. This this type of episode is why I watch Star Trek. Like, what what an incredible examination of the human condition. Yeah. Of the human condition of being a big old sneaky <laughs> Romulan bastard, but uh, <laughs> the human condition nonetheless. And and in the end, spoilers. Uh, turns out he was doing it for his kids. He just. Yeah, he w- he was worried what the Romulan Empire, what the Star Empire, were doing, and wanted his kids to grow up in a in a better world than he did. But wasn't he responsible for like a few like genuine? Well, yeah, it's he's responsible for. So he, he introduced first of all, he says he's like a clerk who's nicked a ship, and then later on you find oh, out he's an right, admiral, yeah. and he's responsible for some massacres, and then he's like, "Well, actually, on Romulus, we just call them the so and so campaign." Yeah. But yeah, so and it's a bit, and it's like he was dissatisfied. So the Romulans deliberately fed him bad information, so that they could out him as a traitor, as somebody who might be a traitor, and then use him to trick the Enterprise into being at a planet in the neutral zone, so they could then start a war under the pretenses that the, the Enterprise started it, which is That's such. Right. It's wonderfully classic Romulan. Yeah. And I, I, I do like a couple of things in this episode a lot. One, I really like that um, when he meets Data, uh, the Romulan. First of all, he he, know, he says he's the android. Now, we've regularly had people come on board the Enterprise from inside the Federation who don't know that there's an android on there. But right. apparently, everybody in the entire Romulan fleet knows he exists. So, of course they would. And then he, he, he meets him and says, you're the android, right? Okay, and then bear in mind he's never met an android before, right? Never, not once. Okay, and then Data says something, and he says that's the cold reaction of an android. So that guy went from naught to racist insanely quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, to be fair, I'm, I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if at, at no point did I ever wonder are the Romulans down for my pronoun. <laughs> I assume they're all decks. I imagine the Romulans respect what respect your pronouns in the same way that they respect any whatever language you need them to use to do whatever the sneaky bastard thing you're doing is. It's like, oh yeah, you're a woman now. Is that yeah. a, is that a spy trick thing? Yeah, okay, she, bang on. Uh. <laughs> Except for the one that that 
is Picard's assistant and Picard the the this the sort of middle aged Irish yeah. one because she's yeah she, if, he, I, I think in his quest to decide whether or not he should fuck her is the entire emotional crux of season two of Picard. I don't know. I'm never <laughs> going to watch it. Although apparently season three no, is me good, either. so I might end up just Jesus. I think a lot of it would just be uh, Picard looking looking her up on Wikipedia and going. Oh, she's like in her sixties. Wow, she looks amazing. <laughs> which wouldn't be very, which wouldn't be very good for a man in his eighties. But do you know, what I mean, that's that's the misogynistic nature of yeah, television. It is, but yeah, you know, things things are changing. Michelle Yeoh, she's fifty. She got an Oscar, so yeah, yeah, well done. Finally, <laughs> when is when is Kate Capshaw getting an Oscar? When are all the Indiana Jones assistants <laughs> getting Oscars? I find it, I find it mental that. Uh, two Oscars were won in the acting categories by two people who were in the film California Man, which for our American listeners is Encino yeah. Man. Because they had to call it California yeah. Man in the rest of the world because nobody fucking knows where Encino is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a lot of people outside of Hollywood know what Encino is. They must is. have had enough... I, to be fair, I was going to say... Because it's the name of a place, right? But isn't it also the ty- a type of person? Isn't it a genius? I don't, I don't know. Did they discover some missing link there? Am I making this up? I've never seen Encino Man. That's what the joke is. Is that they, so? It's because he is an unfrozen caveman, and he's called an Encino Man because there was a thing of like naming missing links after the town they're found in. Because there's one called Piltdown Man, oh. which is a fucking niche fucking reference. Anyway, <sighs> when yeah, it, basically the movie is that they unfreeze Brendan Fraser. Uh, and he has caveman adventures in the modern age, which I actually think is a, a pretty good idea for a comic, a crime fighting Neanderthal. I think I, I think I'd like to be a missing link. Well, in the future, you will be. Like, cause, yeah, cause after I die, um, I'll look, uh, uh, two thousand years, ten, a bit, a bit, a million years after I die, I'll still be sitting at my wee desk and having. <laughs> Telling various pub landlords exactly what I fucking think about them, right? And my so my body will be largely useless. And I really want to donate my body to science. That's 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 like a, a thing. That's gonna be in my video will I will <laughs> Um But I think I I, I, w- I wouldn't know, there'd be no way of knowing, but I think it'd be very interesting for some alien scientists to come across me and be like Ah, oh, this this helps us understand a thing that we didn't understand before. I think that'll be the greatest, the greatest honor in in the history of of dead bodies would be being discovered, but and making people go. Humans oh. used to live here before they killed themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't know what scenario it would, they would have to be for Earth to be a barren wasteland where I am the only body that anyone could find. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure if I thought about it for 10 minutes, I could absolutely come up with that scenario. But I'm not going to, because then I'll be pretty de- pretty determined to make that scenario. I don't want to donate my body to science. I don't. I want to donate my body to fun. Uh, I think, like, I when I'm dead, dangle my body up at the end of a range and fire a rocket launcher at it and just see what happens. Fill me with fireworks first. Do so whatever... Whatever you feel, I'm dead. I don't care. Well, you you can do that. There's there's body farms that they that you can donate your. I mean, it's not fun. <laughs> oh, but 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 like you could you could specify I want to be exploded, <laughs> so that the police <laughs> and forensics people know what a 
an exploded body looks like. But the thing is, right, you say, this is the thing, I'm in favour of doing that, but the thing so is, I don't want to get to the afterlife and then be like, well, in you come. Uh, and then they go, oh, it's good to be here. And go, so uh, so what's happening to your body? And it's like, oh, it's going to be exploded. And it's like, oh, no, you, you need that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how the afterlife works. Maybe the Egyptians were right. Maybe we should be your mummified. Maybe I need my eyes in a jar. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to take that chance. So, uh, so where's Mark? Well, Mark's down the hallway because at one at one time back in 2008, when he was working in game, a guy called him self righteous for saying that you know that Red Steel and Mortal Kombat they they are 18s, they're 18 rated, so we are supposed to tell you that before you give before you clearly buy them for your kid. Uh, and the guy went off at one about him. So Mark's been in there for four and a half hours telling that guy exactly where he can fuck off to. <laughs> So you won't be seeing him for about a million years until the charred remains of the planet Earth <laughs> and his body are discovered. The worrying thing is, if you are the last body, you're laying out on the, the charred remains of Earth, the atmosphere's gone, so you've preserved, right? You've then got a window in which he like to be found, which is the, the point from yeah. where the Earth is put in that state till the sun explodes. So... And you just got to hope that some aliens pass by at some point in that billion or so years and be like, oh, look, that's weird. There's only one dead corpse on that on the planet. Let's have a look. <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't happen, you know, whatever, I'll be entertained talking to every Tory that's ever lived. <laughs> Giving them a dressing down, asking, oh, can you just take a closer look at that curb that I've had installed <laughs> in this office? Bam! Now, I just want a picture of me standing in front of all these curbs on stories, laughing my tits off. Uh... <laughs> Please do. Do you know what, man? I think I'm going to get... Because um, it's heaven, right? So I, I think I can expand the little cupboard that I've been put in. So I'm, I'm going to ask them to put in, like, an audience section. <laughs> like, essentially, my afterlife is just going to be Conan, except with curb stomp stories. <laughs> And then every now and again, I just have Patrick Stewart in for a bit yeah. of a chat. And, every, and just every now and then, Paul Rudd comes on to plug his latest projects and shows that clip from Mac and me. <laughs> yeah. It's been 50 million years and Laura's just waiting in the dream <laughs> heaven who's just pure bored. Where is he? <laughs> Rishi Sunak's just died. Oh, he'll be there for 100 years. <laughs> do, you, do you... I... I'm, I'm, I, guess I, I think... Wouldn't it be marvellous if hell and heaven are the same place? Which is just that all of the people like Rishi Sunak get to have everybody tell them exactly what they think of them without being allowed to reply, and then they have to leave. It's like, right, now you're going to the next room, Rishi. <laughs> if that's my, if I'm in charge of the afterlife, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I, and I'm going to make it like you know that you know that old joke that they used to do in eighties cartoons and movies that that you don't really see anymore, which was the like the gym. People would be fat, usually overweight. People would be at the gym and they'd be running on the treadmill next to the window, and outside of the window would be a kid licking an ice cream cone. Yeah, which is which is a joke that you just don't get <laughs> these days, right? You can't see anything these days. But um, I imagine my afterlife would be a lot like that. We were just looking at hell. <laughs> Because why? Why would you look anywhere else, right? Yeah. Why? Why? Why would you look at Earth where everything's fucked? Just look at hell where everything's yeah. funny. It's, it's, if there's, if 
if you imagine what sort of torture that, say, for example, David Cameron, like David Cameron's afterlife is just him being constantly pursued down a series of corridors by a horny pig beast. <laughs> That's if you don't want to watch that, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you're planning on doing with your afterlife. What if hell has a, a I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Except it's I'm Hitler. <laughs> no other subtitle. <laughs> and then you just vote what you want to happen to Hitler. And, it, and it's like it's like Graham Norton's red chair. So so every episode Hitler gets brought out right <laughs> by the host. Let's say um, Derek Akora. Right, Derek Akora brings Hitler out, <laughs> and then he's like. All right, I was going to do the accent. I, I like I like your assumption that Ant and Deck won't be in hell to present this. <laughs> no, one one of them will, but but you're not going to get one without the other. What's the point? <laughs> so Derek Akora, here he is. Here's Hitler, and then Hitler has to walk out, right? And then he's like, "Okay, Hitler, here's the here's 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 what we've got for you today." And then he just turned round, and there's like a like a, a Graham Norton style red chair <laughs> uh, on a screen. Where a series of let's say sixteen people come in and they're like, "Here's a, here's what I think would be funny." <laughs> right. and then the next person comes along, and then there's sixteen choices, and then Derek Akora's right. Okay, the lines are open. <laughs> Give us a call. Oh eight hundred six 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 zero 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 one. If you want Hitler to be stung to death by giant bees, zero 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 two. Uh, if you want them to be microwaved. See, so I, years and years ago, um, I had, a, a friend of mine came up with a really good concept, um, which was he, was, he was writing something which was set in like a supernatural prison. It was based on the fact that um, at the end of, um, there's an episode of Buffy where Giles's mate from his childhood, uh, the one who's like the wizard, gets like taken, Ethan, Ethan Rain. Rain, he gets taken off by the, uh, what was it, the initiative? The Watchers. Um, yeah, oh, the initiative. they take yeah, him off and they say they've got like a prison for him. And he, we came up with the idea yeah. of like having a supernatural prison. And one of the concepts he had was that in one room, like all of Hitler's occult bullshit had worked. So one of the rooms just had an immortal Hitler in it. And like after a hard day of being like a prison guard in this big underground facility, probably beneath the Vatican, you go, oh, I've had a really uh, tough day. And it's like, oh, right, do you want to go into the uh, the break room and kill Hitler a few times? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. But it's been a real tough day. Take a wrench. <laughs> Look. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm kind of... I have mixed feelings on... Uh, the, this this idea I was talking to my parents about this yesterday uh, going on a big old rant because again the mask gets to slip in front of them um, about how it, it's weird that it's that, that everyone's like oh we shouldn't wish death on anyone or the, the, the world will never be a better place after ex such and such has died but then it's like the entire world or at least all the people who fucking matter like the, the, we're all agreed that it's like no it's good that Hitler's dead <laughs> It's it's if if not if nothing else, right? <laughs> if Hitler provided nothing else to the world, he gave us a baseline by which we can say, above this, it's fine to be happy that this guy is dead. Yeah, and it's funny to discuss all the horrible things. Yeah, that are happening to him in the game show that is hell. <laughs> yeah, and so in a related fact to that, if like you're having an event that you dress up as, like say pro-women's rights and a bunch of Nazis turn up and you don't ask them to leave, I think it's fair to assume that you're probably the bad guys. Yeah, exactly. 
And when you when you when you step out of my office, <laughs> you'll be healing my butt. You mentioning, by the way, you you mentioning uh, dialing six six six. Remind. Fuck me. There's fifty minutes gone, and we've not talked about right, this episode. Before we jump into <laughs> this episode, right? I want to say something. Um, I had to travel recently, and it's the first time I've used my new Brexit passport. Um, yeah, it's Ugh. the fucking ugly colour. Now, obviously, as with all passport photos, uh, I look like a fucking serial killer. But also, and yep. uh, I don't know if this is this isn't doxing me too much. Um, the last three numbers of my uh, passport number mug are six six six. I am literally travelling on the devil's passport at the moment. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was a bit weird. But anyway, yeah, we should talk about fucking Star Trek. <laughs> you do, you do have this sort of um, indifferent apathetic air about you that serial killers yeah i know to. i've got resting serial killer face um yeah big time and your look doesn't help but my look isn't a choice right okay this is a that my my look is a series of unfortunate things that have happened to me right all right i was i one day i was like i know it's oh i've got a bit of a double chin i can't shake that i better grow a beard to hide it oh fuck i'm going bald right that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> and without without this beard, I, I can't grow hair, so that's an out. And, and without this beard, I look like somebody's drawn a face on a thumb, right? So <laughs> that's so. I'm just stuck looking like somebody's going to turn up and murder your family at a cabin in the woods. Yeah, right. I have I have I have three things that I don't know why okay. I wrote them down. Um, why did I write down? There's no way that there isn't at least a dozen bottles of Romulan ale. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, Admiral Jerrock says, um, uh, ask Data if he can get Romulan ale from the um, uh, from the replicator. And Data's like, well, no, because unfortunately we can't replicate something unless we have a molecular sample of it. And very little is known about the Romulan homeworld, which I'm going to say this right now. Fuck off. Fucking Kirk has yeah. at least a crate. Right? O'Brien's got four on the <laughs> ship right now. Are you telling me that no one in all of fucking Starfleet has got a fucking sample of Romulan ale? I'm pretty sure that Riker has mentioned having some. Well, I've, 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 that we've I've, seen. I'm, I'm not, this is a Sergio. I've got Romulan ale. Like, genuinely, I've got a bottle that was bought for me as a present, and it's one of the beer bottles that was in the fridge in um, um, oh, the J.J. Wow. Abrams uh, Star Trek. Uh, so yeah, it's an actual oh, cool. prop that was used. So I have Romulan, so it's not that fucking hard to get. <laughs> yeah, right. But also, after Data says, "Oh, we've got limited information," he takes Jarek to the fucking holodeck and boosts him up an exact replica of somewhere on Romulus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a, a fucking Romulus's version of East Bright. I've, I've. Like, how would in, you know in that? In my notes, I've got the Federation doesn't have samples of Romulan ale. Fuck off. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know what that was. Nice. What is the little pyramid thing on the tables in 10 forward? I, I don't know. What? Is that a menu? I don't know. I, Do you play games Maybe it's on a it? room deodorizer. Like, it just... Yeah, because <laughs> they never seem to be playing games at the same tables. No. So... I don't know what those things are. I might actually look that up. I might actually go on a bit of a Wikipedia look. Yeah, that... Because something we haven't seen much of yet is... Um, so, the, the the Star Trek... What's yet to turn up is the Star... So much as what I always knew as the Star Trek mug. 
So I don't know if it's we've seen it as of yet, but in later episodes uh, of TNG, they have a mug that's got like a flared base. Oh yes, I've seen this. Yeah. And it's a deliberate bit of it. It's a bit of design because the idea is on board a ship, it's more stable, so that if they get like rocks around and stuff. And I thought it was really good, and I always wanted one when I was younger because they did sell them as merch at the time when this was on. But cool. yeah, so I know what those are, but I don't know what the little triangle things on the de- on the tables are for. I will forget. Someone, someone will know. Maybe they play music. Maybe it's a little jukebox speaker. That'd be yeah. cool. Uh, how about uh, Jesus? If a Starfleet admiral is telling you a guy can't be trusted, <laughs> I'd like to say as well. It's nice to know that the fucking the Romulans have their own mad admirals. Uh, so <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. universal. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking about mad cunts. So I recently done uh, something that kind of amazes is obsessed obsesses me. Something I somewhat obsess over is uh, finding out how various characters tackled the Kobayashi Maru. Right. Okay. And there's there's different sources that that kind of uh, in like extra canon that tell you how they did it. Um, and uh, Scotty, um, Chekhov, and Sulu. There's a novel that's about how they all did it. Sulu, Sulu's quite sensible. He gets there and he decides to, to, to fucking radio Starfleet Command to get a hold of the Klingons to tell them that this is happening, we need to send help. Right? That's like the sensible thing, but that doesn't work because then obviously everyone on board dies because it takes too yeah. much time. So uh, Chekhov just flies his ship into the Kobayashi Maru and everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Scotty... The Kobayashi Maru, the Kobayashi Maru is stuck in neutral zone, and if you fly into the neutral zone, you declare war, and three warbirds show up, and if you defeat those three warbirds, more warbirds show up. So Scotty goes into the, um, flies into the neutral zone, um, powers up the phaser banks to sort of switch between different frequencies from low to high, until such time that they'll burn out their Romulan shields and just blow up their ships, right? After that, then more warbirds appear, and what he does is uh what does he do the second time oh he gets he just uh he the phasers obviously are out of set are out of work at the moment to recharge so he gets some empty photon torpedo shells fills them with antimatter uh beams the torpedoes out in front of the romulan ships and then beams in the shells without the antimatter so that it just explodes <laughs> and kills them all <laughs> and then uh, there's a then, then there's a bit where like twelve or sixteen Romulan ships show up, and in order to prevent that from happening again, they all link up shields. So Scotty on the spot realizes that with the formation that they're in, that this the shields between the ships will be weaker than the shields outside of it. So he just does some other madman stuff and just destroys all these shields. I think he collapses the shields in on all of the <laughs> ships, just crushing them to death. <laughs> Um, and then eventually he is like, like all Kobayashi Maru participants is bested by the test but apparently he was taken aside by his instructor <laughs> and said we need you to not take the command route because <laughs> we need we need you in <laughs> like, like you're, you're clearly a lunatic <laughs> yeah if we give you a warp engine and liquor uh, could you just can you yeah. keep that running? Yep, yep. This <laughs> applies. Yep. Yeah, there is. 
What kind of liquor? <laughs> so I do. This does apply to my theory that not having any of your blended malt. The humans shite. are just the mad lads of the fucking space. It's like the Vulcans, like in the like Enterprise. Uh, the I think it's it's two. The the Enterprise has two uh, warp cores strapped together in the middle of it, and I just feel like the Vulcans gave the mm-hmm. humans like two warp cores and went well. So you got one to study. Uh, and one to use. And they were like, oh, well, no, we strapped them both together and put them in a ship. What? <laughs> what better way to study them to, to use them both? Um, we sh- we, I was going to say, we should point out, this is this is how you actually would do the Kobayashi Maru, is take take Klingons with you, um, cloaked, so they can turn up at the end and be like, well, if we start a fight now, mate, we all die. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> Commander Tumlock was back as well. So that was nice. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So sorry, anyone who really likes this episode who was really looking forward to hearing. Oh, take I, on I do. It. I, before we start, I want to mention one thing. One thing because there's like a I, yeah, I did love this episode. There is a fucking wonderful bit of dialogue right at the end of this where um, Tomlock, the commander Tomlock, is talking to John Luke and it gives him the uh, like conditions for surrender. It's like if you surrender, turn over your ship and all like this. This is just absolutely ridiculous. Like surrender now, and John Luke goes, "You expect me to accept those terms?" And the commander Tumlock's like, "No, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> and I fucking love that. <laughs> it's like it's almost like I'll be disappointed if you fucking surrender at this point, John Luke. We're gonna fucking have a Barney. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Essex Romulan. <laughs> yeah, great oh. episode. Great episode. Well, Go watch this. Go watch episode. this. You really enjoy it. Uh, Picard has an yeah. Errol Green. If you're a fan of shoulder pads, maybe one of the first. The, this is the episode for you. Uh, we see the back of Smiley Joe. <laughs> we do. Uh, we see a little orange disc that is uh, Romulan cyanide. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Is, I still don't know. They send a class one probe. Is that the best class? Is that the worst class? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. 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 Oh. I feel like you would learn that on day one. <laughs> I feel like if you're on the bridge and you don't know that. Something has gone horribly wrong. For I'm someone. assuming it's the best because otherwise, Jean-Luc being kind <laughs> yeah. of a bit of brick. There could be a bunch of cloaked Romulans out there. Yeah. Just said it. Oh, it's only going to be a one in it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Uh, bye. Right. Well, uh, bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>